Well, good morning. We are uh, in the second week of our series about God moments in our lives, and um, I don't want to share too much um, right out the bat about the the kind of God moment we're going to talk about today, because it gives too much away the story I want to open with. I want to share with you a story about um, James Cameron. Now, just to clarify, we're not talking about James Cameron, the Canadian film director and writer that we know here as being famous for Avatar and um, Titanic and so on and so forth. Uh, This is James Cameron, who was a teenager in Marion, Indiana in 1930. And James Cameron uh, was spending a particular uh, night with his buddies where they were going out and, you know, just kind of being together and driving around in his friend's car and, and having a good time. And somewhere in the midst of the evening, um, as they were talking about the, the cool car that they were riding around in, one of James' friends said, hey, uh, why don't we hold somebody up tonight? And James thought, you know, well, what, why would we do that? He, he certainly wasn't, that wasn't who he was. He said, no, no, really. He says, if, you, if, if we do this, he said, I have a gun and we can hold somebody up and, and get some money and then we can get a new car. And James was not for it, but his friends were all too convincing and kind of got him wrapped up in the middle of this and chose to make him the front man for tonight's job. And so James had the gun in his hand and they pulled up alongside of their victim and a young couple got out of the car and James got out of the car with the gun and he started to approach the man when he realized he knew the man. And the man happened to be a a man that James had shined his shoes many times. He recognized him. And he could tell that the man probably recognized James. So he dropped the gun and he took off. As James was running away from the scene, he heard gunfire. And a little bit later that night, James and his two buddies were arrested for murder. And during the course of their time in the jailhouse there was a a period at which they were not being protected by anyone of the law. And a couple days after their arrest, an angry mob, a large angry mob, approached the jailhouse and decided to take justice in their own hands. And so they took these three boys and decided to hang them one at a time. James was the last And as he was getting the rope wrapped around his neck and pulled tight, he heard a voice from the crowd say, take that boy back. He had nothing to do with any killing tonight. And suddenly the angry mob grew silent. They took him down and he made his way back to the jailhouse. And James Cameron was the only survivor of the three black boys who were arrested that night and taken out and beaten and hung by an all-white crowd. James would be fairly tried and convicted of being an accessory to a crime and spend four years in prison. But as James looks back on that event in his life and he talks about it with people, there are those that would say that perhaps he imagined the voice 
But then what was it that stopped that angry mob suddenly from hanging him? And some would say, well, maybe one of the people in the crowd shouted out, take him down, take him back. But then why would everyone else listen to that one voice in such a large crowd? And some would even suggest that James got lucky that night. But James knew that three teenage black boys committed of a crime in 1930 would never have a lucky break. James Cameron lived to be 92. And his testimony was that God saved him that day in Indiana so that he could tell his story. James was forever changed by that moment in his life. Who he was from the days following his near death was a totally different person than the one who was drugged from that jailhouse that night. And as author Alan Wright describes it, for James, the event was not so much about the hatred of the crowd or the injustice of the times. It was about the love and purpose of God. Eternity invading time. Love diving into the midst of hate. And mystery interrupting mayhem. James became Dr. Cameron and founded America's Black Holocaust Museum. And his life mission was to teach Americans of the, quote, promise of liberty and justice for all, end quote. And part of their mission statement was to promote racial repair, reconciliation, and healing. And their four main themes were uh, resistance, redemption, reconciliation, and remembrance. You see, James was rescued from the grip of death, and he felt that telling his story by remembering the past, he could make a difference and have an impact on tomorrow. And so the catalyst of, of Dr. Cameron, uh, of his, the, the catalyst for Dr. Cameron's life was this God moment. A time when God demonstrated his ability, his willingness, and the pattern by which he works in our lives. As we took a, took a look at this, last week for the first time. We said how these God moments in our lives are moments of change. They're moments where we're never the same following these events. They're moments that we remember. Remembrance is such an important part and an important tool in our spiritual life. They become monuments, guideposts, reference points. And these God moments are moments of clarity where we have a new understanding. We're suddenly convicted to, to do things differently and move in a certain way. We have new and enhanced relationships and in, in some cases we have a clear understanding of God's calling in our life. We grow as people through God moments. And if you were with us last week, hopefully you've taken the time to uh, kind of take stock of your God moments in your life. Perhaps you've taken some time to consider your journey to date and see how God has shown his hand in your life and how he's given you something to remember, to bring hope. Something that you can remember that will teach you how to trust him and guide you in your faith. Throughout the Old Testament, there are festivals 
that God ordained to be times when the people of God would remember His divine intervention. Passover and, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread that followed and the Festival of Weeks or Pentecost are examples of these festivals. They were meant to make certain that God's people would never forget how God provided for them, how He led them, and how He watched over them. Now, as Christians today, we don't carry out these traditions because of what God did, what Jesus did for us on the cross in the New Testament. Paul reminds us in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or the Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come, The reality is found in Jesus Christ. But from these observances and festivals of the Old Testament, we're given the principle of never forgetting the times when God intervened. When God brought us out of the depths of sin, shame, fear, sadness, and made a way for us to live eternally with Him. Every time we experience God in the here and now, we're reminded that what God does today is only preparation for what he'll do tomorrow. And Mike shared with you the tagline that we want to use for this series, and it also came from this author, um, Alan Wright, says, the way you remember yesterday determines how you live tomorrow. And so today we're going to read in the book of Exodus about... (laughs) Exodus, not Exodus... Today we're going to read in the book of Exodus about the Passover, uh, one of the moments when God came to the rescue of the Israelites. And throughout Exodus, leading up to the story, we see uh, that Pharaoh taking the Israelites as slaves, Moses being spoken to by God through a burning bush to to take the authority to approach Pharaoh and, and ask him to let his people go. Pharaoh refuses And there's ten plagues brought upon the Egyptians. And that brings us to this moment in Exodus 12, when God ordains Passover as a ritual designed to save the Israelites and once again bring judgment, in this case death, upon the Egyptians. So we read today, uh, starting in Exodus 12 with uh, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defects, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire. 
head, legs, and inner parts. Hmm. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And on the same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. And so in the very beginning of this passage, God tells Moses that this day is so important that it should now be considered a new beginning. Make this month the first of your year. Like Moses, change the calendar. And he says a, a, a time after this uh, will, will, will never be the same. A time such as this will change everything. And each family was to have a lamb. A lamb of their own for a specific period of time. Now, I read that a couple of times, and all right, so this might sound a little silly, but if you're a pet person, you know that an animal in your family becomes part of your family. And they were going to have this lamb for a few days. So it will have become part of the family. And so that brings precious significance to the sacrifice that was going to be made in this household. And the blood of the sacrifice would be smeared on the doorposts which would be a visual reminder on a daily basis of the sacrifice that was made. The Passover lamb was then to be eaten. The sacrifice was made with purpose, and the family would complete the purpose by eating it. This significant sacrifice of the Old Testament had New Testament significance as Jesus was sacrificed. Not that we just hear about it and talk about it, but that we partake in it, that we accept him as our savior and we make that sacrifice personal. And it's pretty specific here in these verses that all of the sacrifice was to be received. All of the lamb was to be consumed. This was a sacrifice for this very moment in time and it was to be fully received. Jesus paid it all that we might receive all of him and that we might be all in for him. Now the scripture at one point gives specific attention to what was to be worn. And I had to read that a couple of times and dig into it a little bit more because I didn't quite get that. Why it was so important that the cloak was tucked into the belt and we had sandals on and a staff. But think about the condition of the Israelites at this very moment Think about where they had been and what we now know where they will be going. This was a moment in time, a a speed bump, if you will, along the journey. But it was significant because it was part of their deliverance. And they needed to receive the sacrifice, but be ready to go, to move on. Their deliverance was a work in progress. And this moment would be momentous. God was moving in a big way and for all the questions that they surely must have had on this night, 
as they look back one day, they would surely see the significance. And so this was a God moment when things would change. And it would be remembered annually as it would clarify the work that would ultimately one day be done by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And in these verses, we read about how the Lord would pass over the houses uh, that had blood on their front door. This was God's way of bringing, quote, judgment on all the gods of Egypt, end quote, but spare the lives of the Israelites. And when we read these 14 verses in the beginning of this chapter, we get the depth of meaning behind Passover and why it's important for it to be remembered. And then the following verses after 14 uh, lay out details on how the celebration would continue to unfold as a feast of unleavened bread. This meal was first bitter with salt water or vinegar on leafy greens. And surely the Israelites would remember their hardship and the bitterness in their role as slaves and the oppression by the Egyptians. And then there's the unleavened bread or matzo and the sweetness of the fruit and the addition of horseradish. It was both bitter and sweet as this was a moment in the presence of both the destroyer and the deliverer. And so after Moses has given all the instructions, he then goes to the elders And he passes it along. And later in verse 23 he says, When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. This was not just God doing another mighty work of deliverance. This was a moment when God was rescuing the Israelites. This was God making certain that the destroyer would pass over their homes and save them from death. God demonstrated in the Passover how he protects us from the destroyer. Mike, Eddie, and I are reading this book as a premise for the series that's called The The God Moment Principle. And I have to read this quote for you from the author Alan Wright. Now keep in mind, this book was written in 1999, almost 21 years ago. And here's what Alan says. After talking about the Passover, he says, I am thoroughly convinced that God is actively blocking the destroyer from consuming you and me, day by day, moment by moment. Our world is not a safe place. Unpredictable weather patterns deadly microscopic viruses, unexpected events, and inexplicable hate crimes. That was written in 1999. This was a dark time for the Israelites. Death was all around them. Oppression was all that they knew in life. And the ongoing pursuit of the Egyptians was always looming. And in the midst of this turbulent time, God gives instructions for them to follow in order to survive. God promised that they would be spared, passed over as the plague came upon the land. Can you imagine what they must have felt like in that moment? 
Would you have trusted all of the details of that night to keep your family safe? And if you were the least bit concerned, or, or you had even a shadow of a doubt about what God could do, why would you not want to remember that night when he spared you from death? This moment, this God moment, was an amazing rescue. This was God saving the Israelites by the blood of the Lamb on their doorposts and by their obedience. God moments are to be remembered like monuments in our lives. Reference points. Moments when we have seen God's hand at work. Whether in a big way, with lots of drama, or just in little ways, in the day by day. And we remember them so that we can learn to trust Him in those moments that we have yet to experience. The Israelites were commanded to continue to commemorate this occasion. So in verse 26, when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Once again, God demonstrated his ability and his willingness to rescue the Israelites And we see the pattern of his hand in their journey as he led them by a pillar of fire and a cloud out of Egypt. He he, uh, led them through the parted waters of the Red Sea. He provided food for them in the wilderness and ultimately he led them into the promised land. Moses' words in Deuteronomy 1 and 4.9 Do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart. And then he says it again in 5.15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And then in 8.2 he says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart and whether or not you would keep his commands. God moments can be found in amazing rescues. No one needs to be reminded that there are dangers or threats that surround us all the time, particularly at this moment in our lives. And as you seek to discover how God may have rescued you in the past or maybe is even in the process of rescuing now, consider some of these things. Perhaps there was a a, a traumatic moment that you survived that became a pivotal point in your life. Maybe it was through the the suffering and the death of of a family member or a loved one, loss of a friend, a diagnosis. Perhaps there was an illness from which you recovered. Or in this third one, Decisions that you made which may have brought you harm that you were protected from. I particularly think in that third one of some of the things we do in our youth that are risky. Some of the situations we put ourselves in. Decisions that we make that put us in a place that could certainly bring us harm. But God watches over us and protects us. And the last one, I think the biggest one, is your personal amazing rescue. When Jesus became your Savior. 
that moment when you made the decision to allow him to take over, to adopt you as his own, and to work in and through you throughout your journey. I want to share with you a story, a personal story that got me this week. Uh, Many of you know that Madeline is home from college. Uh, We took her at the end of August to Liberty University in Virginia, and she was only there for a few weeks before she started to have issues with her back. She went to see a doctor there in Virginia, and the doctor um, gave her something for the pain to help manage the pain, and she did that for a while, and things were good, and when the medication was gone, the pain came back, and it came back with a vengeance. She called in tears one day, and I don't think an hour or two went by before Tina was on the train going to pick her up. So Maddie's been home for a few weeks now. She's been in a lot of pain. She's been to see doctor after doctor. Part of the problem was that they wouldn't take her quickly because she was coming from Virginia, so they wanted her to quarantine for a couple of weeks. And all of this to find just recently that she is dealing with a herniated disc that can either be treated by shots or by surgery, and now we're in that time when we have to make decisions. But she's in so much pain that she doesn't even sit at the dinner table with us. She has to be flat on her back. And she found a good spot in the middle of the living room floor that's just right for her. You know how difficult it is to sit there and watch your child suffering in tears sometimes. And there's nothing you can do. One of the things that she's doing as part of her education at home, she has to watch this convocation that happens once a week. Convocation is where they gather together um, socially distancing in the stadium at Liberty University and there's a message given and there's worship. And one day this week, she and I were home alone and I was in the basement teaching at my computer and she was right above me on the living room floor and I heard the worship on the television. She brought up Liberty's convocation. And in the silence and in the middle of the worship, I heard Maddie's voice. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. She was worshiping in the midst of her pain because she remembered the day that she was rescued. She remembered the moment when she became a child of God and that would never change. And even in the midst of this time in her life, she knows who's working in and through her each and every day. Today we're going to have the opportunity to remember the Last Supper The night that Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples and it was during the time of Passover. It was during a time when they were commemorating God rescuing the Israelites from certain death by the presence of the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus was using this time to remind his disciples of the blood that would be shed and the body that would be given to rescue them from their own death and from their own sin. This was a God moment that we remember every month because Jesus commanded his disciples 
And he commands those of us today who take this sacrament to do this in remembrance of me. And so we take communion and remember Christ died for the forgiveness of sins. Christ died to pay the price for our sin. Christ died so that we might be rescued from paying the price for our sin. Passover brought freedom for the Israelites. And Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, is freedom for those who allow him to step into their lives and create moments of change, moments of clarity, and moments to remember. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we come to you this morning recognizing that we need you to step into this world. We need you to be part of the everyday. We need to see those moments in our lives when you are working in and through us. And so first, God, I ask that you would help us to be sensitive to those moments when you're leading us. And that we would be open to the transforming power of God moments in our lives. Lord, convict us each and every day to be sensitive to your leading. And help us, Lord, in our quiet time and in those moments when we need it most to remember that amazing rescue, that day when we chose to make you our Savior, that day when you adopted us as a child of God so that we might walk with you every step of our journey until one day we spend eternity with you. Amen.